1: And now, from beyond our dimension, this is the Jeff Mara Podcast. Here's Jeff.
0: My guest is David Williamson, who during his near-death experience traveled through space and experienced a love and peace that changed how he chooses to live here. David, thank you for joining me and welcome.
1: Thank you for having me. And thank you for you know, sharing these experiences, because like we, you know, I said before, I think it's very important that these experiences get shared uh, objectively and like you don't debate and argue and try to, you know, you don't question, you just let people share them objectively. And I think that's the best way for other people to hear it is just as it is, you know, without um, people being pressured, I think, to maybe embellish or try to justify or vindicate or rationalize, you know, versus just, Sharing it, you know,
0: <laughs> thank you.
1: Uh, I appreciate your your show,
0: David. If you don't mind, can you start on the day that it happened and go from there?
1: Yeah, I had a birth defect in my heart as a bicuspid aortic valve and coupled that with hypertension. Um, it was the perfect storm. So, the, my heart valve ripped one day, and then seven days later, I had a heart attack, and the ND happened during the heart attack. So, um um, I was leaving work and I, everything felt normal. I, I was saying goodbye to people. I stepped off the curb uh, saying goodbye to another guy. And, and I felt that my heart like rip. I felt yeah. something not acting. I felt that the rip happened seven days prior, but I felt something. It wasn't beating properly. I wasn't, I got in my car and I went home. Um, I drove home cause I called my, called my, um, my son's mother just to see if she, what she thought I still felt good, so I drove home, Um, and it's important to to set it up this way because I I died as I was entering the emergency room, and I learned about aspects of the emergency room as I was out of my body. So, So when people say it's an hallucination, it's like, well, I wasn't in the room when I passed out you know I was out of the room but when I opened my eyes I knew where everyone was at and I knew where to look for a woman that I saw while I was floating above you know so but I got to the emergency room I I got home ate a snack and then I realized that it wasn't my heart wasn't going to improve so I said yeah it's time to go to the emergency room got there and on the way I was losing uh, my breath it just felt like I was uh, drowning honestly but my heart valve ripped and it ripped part of my heart so what theoretically I think was happening was blood was uh, in my ch- chest cavity. I was drowning, you know, internally is what I think was happening. But um, it just wasn't beating properly. I know that and oxygen wasn't getting to my body. So I, c- I was trying to take deep breaths. So when I got to the emergency room, I, the guy was trying to ask me to fill out forms and I was shaking. I couldn't, I could barely breathe. But, and once they got me on the gurney, it, almost immediately I couldn't see anymore. I was black. It was black. And uh, and I remember the last thought that I had was this is going to be some beautiful sleep." And um, um, something to that effect, like this is going to be some great sleep. And I closed my eyes and it was and I was laying to the left like I was going to sleep, you know, and I was out the door. I could see I was going towards the door to the area where they would be, you know, uh, res- trying to resuscitate me in, but I hadn't gotten there yet. But um, so once I got through that door, I'm seeing all blackness. But where the people were is white dots, kind of like your background with the stars. It's just white dots. And um, and that's what I, I could still, I was still aware that they were there because of those white dots that was like, I don't know, it was like pixelated. And um and then shortly after seeing them net form, I I was out of my body and looking down at the people in the same kind of setup, but I could see them now. And there was a woman in the back left corner that was holding her face like this, and she was very distraught um about what was happening. And um, I wanted to tell her that everything that I was feeling was beautiful. Um, there was no pain. I had no confusion when I looked down. I really didn't look at my face. I couldn't really see my face, but I, but I think it was because the people were all over top of me, trying to resuscitate me. But I, I could see myself. Um, um, I the, the there was. Like ideation, like I was thinking things and um, I was thinking I used to be there, he's dead. Um, His mind, his body and his ego is dead. Uh, And then it was like the next logical thing was in what am I? Um, The words kind of flooded in like soul, uh, slight energy, spirit, uh, awareness. It was just a flood of words. in that state i didn't have an ego and a memory so the way that i learned was almost like the way children babies it's like everything was ah 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 <laughs> like and and i assimilated it instantly once i had the ah moment then it was assimilated like i understood it you know and that was as i was watching everything happening with my death i assimilated it i knew i was dead um but it wasn't like a oh, my God, I'm dead. It was like, oh, that's the body that you used to be in and it's dead, you know? Um, And then, you know, like I said, there was another person in front of me that was trying to resuscitate me that I could feel that they really were impacted by what was happening, like they really wanted me to live. Um, I felt that person Uh, and the person in the back, like I said, the woman that was holding her face. don't really know who she was still to this day. I can I think it could have been an aunt. Some people say it could have been one of my aunts who passed. But then I went to space after, you know, watching all of this for a while. Um, In space, space, everything was perfect. Everything felt like love. It was mostly blackness. I could see different um, different things in space, stuff that I didn't know what to call to call it until I came back and started doing research and Googling stuff. And and but I saw star forming regions um with the very vivid blue and red and red it like tr- almost transitions to pinkish to white and the same with the blue it transitions from dark blue to light blue to white it's beautiful um the clouds just the clouds are like that and those colors and um and and you could see baby stars forming inside of these regions that and and that's when I when I when I came back, I went to figure out like where do stars form, and I, I found star forming regions. And, they, and the one that I was staring at was it, I've seen pictures that look very similar. I don't know, you know, if it's the same or if it's I don't know if I went to a space a place that's tangible that's out there in space, but I suspect that I did for you know for some reason you know I suspect that I did because I saw. Uh, What people refer to as the void, um, I seemed to be right above it. I was looking down into it, and anything, any confusion that I had, if I looked into that void, it would, it was like twirl. It would twirl, and and in that twirling, it the movement, um, the clarity would come, and it was instantaneous. Sometimes even before the the confusion or the question was even articulated, Um, the void felt perfect. It felt like love. It felt like everything, like everything. (laughs) I felt like everything was in it. But that's the same feeling I felt about like with everything else around me. The void felt like, and then, okay, the light, if the void was a doorway to somewhere, the light to me felt like a doorway to somewhere else, You know, because I could see the light, but it was very far away from me. And it was like up and to the right. The emergency room that I was dying in was down and to the left. And it was like a 90 degree angle. And my awareness was in that angle. And when I looked straight out, that's where I saw the uh star forming regions in space. when I looked up, I could see the light like it was going somewhere like it was to me my intuition told me that it was going to take me somewhere else and I thought that it would be the, the back to Earth you know um I thought that it would be uh to integrate my experience and erase my memory and bring me back to Earth. That's what my thought was but most of the things that I, come to have most of the ways that I've come to explain all of it. Um, I view now a lot of it is imaginative. A lot of it is stories, you know, and, and is the most important parts of it is really just seeing this feeling that love and that oneness and a lot of the other stuff that we do here, in my opinion, is, is storytelling and uh, and if it's storytelling that is is even if it's personal personal you know, like your storytelling benefits you and helps you grow here without hurting other people then that's beautiful storytelling you know but when your storytelling makes you some exclusive piece of this reality that needs special protection and consideration above everybody else then that's dangerous storytelling. And that's what a lot of us do here with our religions and our ways of viewing this world that makes one group more exclusive over another. I, After my near-death experience, none of it makes sense to me. The race stuff, I was an angry black man prior to my near-death experience. Uh, I, I swear I was. I was raised in a town called Yanceyville, North Carolina. Caswell County, um, from my research, I think it's still the most active Ku Klux Klan in the country, you know? very racist people some but i've but when i've experienced the bad but i've also experienced the good and i think it's from now when i present any concept or idea I, I feel it's very important to present it balanced, and not from a perspective of trauma because i was traumatized by the racism i experienced and and where i grew up and it did make me a very angry person but it mostly made me sad depressed and disconnected from this life and And that made me suffer. And people who knew me, you know, they might have thought I was happy. I mean, I played football. I was very smart. I had scholarship offers everywhere. Um, They thought I was happy always. I was quote unquote popular. I didn't care for that. I didn't really want attention. Um, But people thought they didn't think I was depressed, but I was pretty miserable most of my life. And it was because of this. A lot of it was spiritually. I was I've always had strange spiritual experiences from childhood all the way up, and this racial narrative. Like when when I when I was young, I didn't have much interest in this world. I was spirit, spiritually I was a spiritual kid, and then when I was convinced that this world was something for me to to engage in, I experienced so much hate and insanity that it just hurt me. I I, I, I don't know. I think that's the best way to explain it, and it made me pretty much hesitant to participate in life. Uh, for the rest of my life, you know. And it made me, like I said, depression, anger um, led to hypertension that I didn't really treat. I didn't go to the doctor and get it, did anything dealt with. So that's what led to my heart um, pretty much, valve just exploding, <laughs> ripping, you know. And, and what it really amounts to is a, it's a broken heart. Like I was miserable here. I was terribly sad uh people look at it as angry but it's mostly just misery (laughs) so when they say the angry black man i was miserable black man and but once the um, i had this near-death experience um i realized that i chose like identity is a choice you know the politic the politicization of identity is dangerous you know and that's what we're going through right now but identity is a choice um i chose once I saw once I experienced trauma um, from racism, I chose to be an angry black man, you know, I chose rigidly to to, to stay in that form even when my reality contradicted that, you know, can, well, even when circumstances in my reality contradicted what I would come to believe about it, you know um, It's irrational to think that all white people are evil, but when you're traumatized, you can allow yourself to think that way. And still experience white people who help you and open doors for you. In the same time, <laughs> but your traumatized self will just say all of them are evil. You know, it's irrational, and it leads to a level of anxiety and and hurt that that you experience inside of yourself that you afflict upon yourself. That is so unnecessary <laughs> that a lot of us have to undo. We have to undo that. You know, but um, but after the experience, um, having memories of pre previous lives, uh, all of that stuff. You know. Some of it makes people think you're crazy. I don't really care. I, I know that this experience is not as simple as a lot of people think it is. And I know that it's not as um. it's not as um, organized and well thought out as some of the books and, you know, you know seem to suggest it is either. This is a realm of infinite possibility, in my opinion. And and that's what my near-death experience uh, seemed to convey to me is that you choose what you want here. I chose a very limited identity that had very limited possibilities, you know, and it led to my death. And, and when I died and saw myself, I realized that my personality killed me. And when I came back here, I realized I didn't have to choose the same personality. <laughs> and I'm not choosing it. I'm choosing to focus more on love here and what I want. And sometimes I have to remind myself that that's that's what I'm here to do is to focus on what I want and mostly love and the oneness of this experience. And, and I see now like whatever it is that I was when I floated above myself and, and, and gained clarity, that's what I view everyone is. So when I see a person that is uh, not functioning in that perfect state, which that thing was, uh, I know that it's just their life story, the circumstances they were born in, a pain, trauma, confusion, identity issues, that are keeping them from expressing their perfection. So I still love them the same. I just seem to now feel their story when I feel it, see the dysfunction or see the, the the anxiety or the trauma. When I see it, I just I just have feel love for them because I know that that's the only thing that's keeping them from understanding that they're perfect is the trauma. You got to retell your story. You got to you got to because when I was out of my body, I realized that I. I did not experience any of that. The soul doesn't experience it. We are these awarenesses. You can call it a soul. You can call it uh, awareness, uh, attention. I like attention because it seems to be what we are, is attention and we create everything with our attention and uh, whatever you focus on is what you create. But um, you can call it whatever you wanna call it, spirit, whatever, but it is perfect and it doesn't hold human pain and trauma. It doesn't have a, a bad back. It doesn't have a broken heart. It's perfect. It's energy. You know, as a lot of your other uh, interviews have said. And um it's just energy and it's love. It feels mostly like love. I felt like love. And when I came back into this body, I realized that I had never loved myself in the way that I felt love. There I'd never even come close to it. And the only way for me to get back right or get on track or be functional here was to to finally see myself outside of the identity, rigid identities and stuff that I'd chosen before and see myself as whole, as whole, you know, and not traumatized and not influenced by the pattern of this world. Which, funny enough, when I came back, I saw Bible verses that said, do not conform to the pattern of this world. And it made so much sense to me that I had done that and it had made me miserable. And And now I see that we're perfect, we're souls, we're energy. That's the pattern that we are to emulate, not emulate, not these man-made stories and the storytelling and the stuff that we do here. Hurting and, and the hurt that it causes, we see the hurt that these stories that we tell cause. We need to stop telling them there are no chosen people there are no perfect people there are no group of people that's any more important than any other we all are perfect souls and the only thing that keeps us from expressing that is trauma and sometimes whole groups have trauma and then they, it changes how they interact with everybody else on this planet and it makes them tell stories about themselves that buttresses their their position so that they never have to experience it again it doesn't make anything that they're saying true it makes it ideal for them in order for them not to hurt anymore but, but anything that we do to um, any adjustment that we make in this life to respond to trauma is, respond, is, is conforming to the pattern of this world <laughs> because we're not trauma, we're love, you know. So when you conform to the pattern of trauma and pain and confusion and hurt, you are conforming to the pattern of this world or things that are possible in this world because this world is not trauma, pain. If so, this world is beautiful. This world is love, too. This world is mostly love, you know. It's love is the canvas that this whole world is built upon.
0: <laughs> David, thank you for sharing your experience with us. When you were in the emergency room and then you went from there to space, was it like one second you were here and one second you were there? Or did you travel from there to space? Like, did you go through the roof of the building and go up, 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 up and see the earth? Yeah. Or was it the just- first,
1: the first- When I was when I realized I was in space initially, it was instant. It was like I was watching them resuscitating me and I kind of just looked up and then I was in space, you know, and then I realized that if I looked down into the left and if I focused my attention there, I was back in the emergency room watching them resuscitating me and watching the woman and still wanting to tell her that. I was okay and everything was beautiful and you don't need to be feeling any kind of, you know, pain from me leaving here. This is beautiful, you know, but honestly, that is what I think anchored my attention to this planet and they resuscitated me because my attention stayed here and my, and when you're, wherever your attention is, that's what you create. I created the option. I created the opportunity to come back to this planet by keeping my attention on her and on this planet. And and I think that that's a lot of what these near death experiences. That's why they vary so much. Is where were your what was your attention in your life? You know, if your attention was monopolized your whole life by a a very few artifacts of this human experience, most likely those artifacts are going to um, show up in your afterlife, and they're not going to show up in any kind of evil way. You know, they're probably going to. It's just they're going to be there. (laughs) You know, but and if you have an affinity towards the thing or if you're attached to it good or bad way, if it's trauma or affinity, you know, either way it go, the attachment to that thing is what made it appear even beyond this life. So if you're still attached to it beyond this life and you see it beyond this life, most likely it's going to lead you back to have more experiences with it because that's what you want, because your attention is still on it even beyond the physical <laughs> plane. But I don't necessarily believe that the differences in the experiences are um I mean, I mean some of the some of the things that I'm open to believing now, though, I mean, it doesn't, I mean, it's the range of possibility is infinite because the this experience is infinite. But I think with intention, our attention can be used to create an afterlife that we actually want and not one that we pop into and in uh, oh wow, what is this? You know, and, but I think because we live this life with very with not a lot of intention, we kind of just move through it you know, and we don't have a lot of, I don't, you know, I've not had the freedom to do everything that I've wanted to do in life, you know, so a, a lot of, the, a lot of the times we kind of, we don't, we move through this life within parameters, uh, limitations, which create uh, limitations on your gaze, on, on how you, how you're able to see reality. If I've not been able to experience this reality up to a certain point, then my perspective of it might be influenced by that, you know, that limitation. So I think that, some people you talk to they don't consider their personal biases when they speak about reality and and when you when you when you don't consider that you might have a very polarized perspective of something and that polarized perspective of something is is uh, to me it amounts to an increased amount of attention an exaggerated amount of attention even and that attention is what amplifies the possibility of you experiencing that in the next life. But if you were to say here with very clear intention, this is what I want, love, abundance. I want I want my next experience to be this, then you create that and not these, these uh, apparitions from a previous experience that you really didn't congeal because you were just kind of willy-nilly living your life. You didn't really create anything. You didn't put anything tangible together, any concepts tangible together that you wanted to build upon in the next thing. But you have to assume that there's a next thing, too. And a lot of us don't. I mean, we believe death is real. And my experience taught me that it's not. So now my imagination is, is is forward thinking. It's like I'm thinking about outside of the body. What else? What do I want to do? You know, and I can begin to create that experience now, you know, with my intention and my attention and not being caught up in this world so much that, I continue to accumulate trauma and confusion and identity issues, you know.
0: Do you feel that this ND was just an accident due to your anger? Or do you think that this was an actual intention from possibly your higher self because you knew you needed a
1: reset? I was lost, totally lost in my own pain and my own, um, um, arrogance. I was, I've been told I was a genius and exceptionally gifted since I was a child. So I I, I had a good mind. So if, if if it makes sense in my mind, then, and it's a good mind, then I must be right. You know, so the clarity, that kind of clarity is an obstacle for really understanding anything uh, because it's a, it's a, it's not real clarity. It's, it's a, it's kind of what I was speaking about before It's when your reality is limited to a certain thing and you, 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 you you polarize your your attention gets polarized on certain things like when my experience was limited by in my mind by i i limited my experience to i limit my experience in a lot of ways because i viewed this country as you know the capitalist system is so horrible and black people suffer here so much that if i attain too much success here then i'm contributing to my own <laughs> oppression you know so it was like, I put a block on my own ability to thrive here. And now I view problems, the same problems that I viewed as, um, that hurt me to see black people experiencing. Now I see them as opportunities to improve, to, to make something better. And then and there is no tension inside of you when you look at it that way. If you look at it as, oh my God, look at that thing that is in my way, it's tension. But when you look at it as, oh my God, look at this opportunity for me to create a new path, you know, uh, look at look at this opportunity for me to to bust down this door for other people, you know, look at this opportunity for me to rearticulate how we are supposed to see this reality. It's not how ha- it doesn't always have to be the focus on the the pain or the, the the aggressive work that has to be done. It can be focused on the outcome. The outcome creates a plan that is a lot more. Um, functional and less toxic than focusing on the problem. You know, focusing on the outcome is makes me happy. You know, focusing on the opportunity to see an outcome is different than what I'm seeing now it makes me happy. But if I stay only in the in the nonsense, in the pain, you know, you, you, there's no happiness there. That's and that's where I stayed. I stayed focused on. I could describe black oppression in a thousand different ways, but I couldn't describe black freedom. It was nothing that I even imagined. I just wanted to fight and yeah, when you want to, when you want freedom you you think of something different fighting is not i don't know i mean fighting might be a part of the journey but freedom is the focus and that makes your heart swell with love and you behave with a, in a different way when you focus on the outcome and not the fighting and not the chaos and the confusion there's always going to be order at some point you know at least as where my mind is focused i know that this place doesn't have to have an armageddon doesn't have to have a cycle where it ends but because we've written these stories for thousands and thousands of years and human beings at, at any at every at, the, at any we can be convinced in any solar or in any spe- cycle of space that this is supposed to be the end our attention can focus it attention, uh, there's only four or five companies that control our attention at this point you know so it's like our attention can be focused on anything and we can magnify or increase the possibility of anything happening with our attention that's what i've come to believe about our attention and i think that it is time for us to stop lending our attention to these four or five companies so freely because they're they're the ones that are predicting doom and gloom the people that you speak to every day are planning their trips next year to 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 uh down in Florida, you know, down to the <laughs> Disney world, they're planning, they're building a garden. They're talking about next next year's harvest. They're not planning doom and gloom. But if we've listened to the media and all of those lies that they tell about everything and the exaggerations and the misrepresentations of what's happening, even in space, you know, they're they're going to make you believe that this world is headed towards something that we can control whether or not it does. You know, we are, our attention is being held captive and if we can shake it free. We can create the reality that we want. And that's what I know.
0: <laughs> Have you ever spoken to any of the staff from the hospital afterwards?
1: You know, I've planned to, and I've never, I've not gone back there. i am not gone back there. I, and I, I don't even know. I was told that the hospital closed down, you know, but I, I should, I even haven't even, I just realized that I the records are digital and I should be able to go back and read them. I've never even read those records, but I do know that I, I watched them defibrillate me and I know hospital protocol is that after no response from resuscitation efforts, so I think I'm either two and a half minutes or a minute and a half that they it's two and a half minutes that they um, that's when they defibrillate and then they stop. And after a minute and a half, they will try again. If there's no more, no response from defibrillate, you know, from resuscitation efforts, they will defibrillate again after a minute and a half. When I opened my eyes, the guy was holding the defibrillator pads like he was about to defibrillate me again. So just mathematics, that's at least four and a half, five minutes, you know, uh, just based on general hospital protocol. But I've never really looked and confirmed how long I was gone. But in space, it felt like forever. You know, when I opened my eyes, I couldn't really tell. I just know that the first words I blurted out was, "Are you okay?" And I was looking for the woman that was holding her face, and I just wanted to tell her, "Look, damn it, I'm good. (laughs) Are you okay?" And then there was the other doctor or the other person that was resuscitating me. I asked him, "Are you okay?" And then he cut me off. He said, "No, no, no. Are you okay?" (laughs) And somebody from the right side said, "You didn't feel that." And I said, feel what? And I looked down I saw the defibrillator pass that I had saw when, you know, when I was up there, but my mind was catching up, you know? And then when I saw the defibrillator pass, I remember seeing them from up there. And I was like, oh, I was dead, <laughs> <For> real, I <laughs> really <he> was dead. <laughs> yeah, it was amazing. And it's the most amazing experience that I've had in this life. Honestly, it was beautiful. When
0: you were in space and you said you were looking down into the void, do you mean like you were looking down into a black hole?
1: That's what it appears to me. That's honestly what it appears to me, the the, the void the, the way the void is described and how that section of space was different than the rest of space, it seemed like a black hole because space was black, but that void area was much blacker than than space, you know. And um and I might have emerged from it to be honest, because there was a moment where I was in a blackness that was so black and that it was enveloping me like velvet almost. And I could feel it. It's like I could feel it. But it was alive and it was communicating and it was love the same way that people describe the light being love, you know. And then then I was looking down, you know, into it, you know, after from my orientation, after that feeling, I was looking down and looking forward at the star forming regions and i don't think i'd ever really thought about that or placed those uh those different moments into any kind of linear progression but it it, there was a moment where the blackness was different and i was in it and it felt almost um just all around me like it was um like velvet it felt beautiful it didn't feel like anything threatening it felt like love but um and then after that uh, i looked down at the black hole i was looking down at the void, what I, I always called it, the void, until I came back and started being able to put names on everything else that I saw, and once I was able to put names on the star forming region, the asteroid that I saw, because um, they said that the the big rocks in space that appear red when they're far away, um, I saw big red rock um, that I intentionally went to because I stared at it and was like, what is it? Like I, in my mind, it was a question, and instantly. Um, the the distance between me and that red rock telescopically disappeared and uh, it was like I was on the other side of it looking back and I understood what it was but I didn't know in my when I came back to call it an asteroid I just knew that it was you know I just understood I understood and I think that the understanding that you have in that state or outside of the body is is enough it's not a it's not a lot of words that I can use to describe it it's just that you I was aware of what it was once I passed it you know, once my awareness went past it and went back. Um, It seemed like, and this is what I would probably intend, you know, it seemed like space was limitless and I was uh, about to just start traveling (laughs) because I was just moving from one point to the next, trying to understand things is what it felt like, but it wasn't a a ego mind. It wasn't a, I want to know this. I want to know this. It was like, it was truly like a child, truly like a child, like, ah, ah, everything was ah, and once I got the understanding of it, it wasn't, I knew it, you know, it was um, instant, it wasn't, uh, and I didn't have a human memory to compare these, oh, when I studied this in class and science, I, there was no memory there at all to, I didn't remember being a human being at all when I was in space, and I just wanted to travel space. I think that's really all i was going to do i mean that's what i was doing when i resuscita- when i was resuscitated i was just still moving forward just looking at everything and trying to move forward and learn uh what, what was where i was at and what the possibilities were i wanted to i wanted to learn i could i wanted to learn how to tell this woman that i was okay like that that was something that i really if there was anything that I could call disappointing about the experience, it was that I couldn't tell her <laughs> that I was okay, you know. But other than that, everything was amazing and it felt like a beautiful, vast opportunity, you know. And I'm not going to change that. My, I'm going to, that's, I'm going, I might add beauty to that, but that's the foundation of what I want next, you know, is a vast opportunity to just experience this all,
0: you know. How have your family and friends? Commented on how you became such a changed person.
1: You know the funny thing about social uh, circumstances is that no one sees. Everybody sees you as the same asshole you were twenty years ago. You're never going to change to them, you know. But it might be a moment where they say, uh-huh they would." You would respond differently to that, you know, back in the day, or or you would. Have, but it's not much. And then there's the inertia of of this body performing in a certain way for so long. You know, it's they, I'm not vastly different than, than than who I was. I've always been. I just see things a lot differently. And when I'm not being graceful, now it, it hurts me. And I, I usually stop and say I'm sorry, or I, I could have done that differently. I said that differently because it bothers me to hurt people m- much more now than it has ever <laughs> in the past. In the past, I didn't mind being people considering me an asshole. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It just didn't bother me so much, but now I, I would prefer—I would prefer to not hurt anyone, you know, even in a casual kind of, you know, way. No, I don't want to hurt people.
0: Immediately after your NDE, was all that anger gone, or did it take a while to process it and did it slowly disappear?
1: It slowly. I was deeply depressed and still angry for, and worse than before, for three and a half years. And it took about three years after my near-death experience to even hear the word, the words near-death experience. I didn't know how to integrate it. I didn't know how to talk about it. I didn't know where to look for other people who've had the same experience. And I don't know why that was, considering that I was deeply spiritual and I had 4,000 books in my garage. <laughs> you know, I've spent my whole life trying to understand spiritual stuff. But after my near-death experience, I was clueless as to where to look to find answers for what had happened to me. So I was not really functional at all. I, I didn't know, I didn't think, I didn't want to participate in this. I thought it was ugly. Um, I experienced something that was so beautiful. And then I came back here and this was just ugly to me. You know, I couldn't see, I couldn't see the beauty, you know. It took three and a half years, I think, for me to start sharing my near-death experience, start sharing what happened to me with people on Clubhouse is where I think I started at. and. Um, and then there was this amazing woman named Zenith Rose who came up with this uh, um, this system called um, linguistic resonance. Because one of the first things that I said when I came out of my near-death experience is that um, I want to just share what happened to me. I don't want to make up stories. I don't want to tell people um, my beliefs and and then filter everything that happened to me in space through my beliefs and turn the light into Jesus and turn the blackness into me overcoming evil and the devil. And I didn't want to use all of these artifacts from a very conditioned human life to describe something that I thought was different than that. It was a different dimension. I didn't have to impose my human conditioning on that. I wanted to share it as truthfully and uh, you know objectively as possible. And Zenith Rose um, came up with a concept called linguistic resonance, which looks at the the numerological value of number of words and helps you really just to explain what explain yourself in a in a much more profound way it helps you see when what you're saying doesn't even fit what you felt it helps you see when what you're saying is storytelling and not an authentic expression of what you actually saw and um and it helps you put together concepts because similar concepts or words that resonate together have the same numerological value and um and you can start having conversations or or uh trying to understand topics or experiences through that through that uh, the way that she queries you and um and checks on the values of the numbers of the words that you are using repeatedly to describe, describe what you're going through that's helped me so for me um um i've always i was just deeply depressed after the experience and um once I learned what it was, I just wanted to explain it and in, in authentically always and never just push my beliefs on people. Yeah, I mean, I know that some of what I've say may amount to beliefs after having that experience, but uh, to me, I can change it. whatever makes sense. Whatever is true on this planet is what my mind is gonna pursue. You know, My soul I think knows it, but I'm not here to prove that I'm right about everything. I'm here to try to understand this experience. And and if there's so many, anything that I've understood in it, that it could help anybody else. I want to share it. That's, that's it. And that was, those are some words that came that I was still stuck in my head after I came back with uh, a deep sense of responsibility for humanity, um, love uh, hope. Um, those are, those are the words that just stuck in me when I, when I was even during the depression, like I got kept those words resonated in me.
0: You mentioned that you've had past lives. Can you remember any of those?
1: Yeah. um, Prior to the near-death experience, I would have these just repeated. It didn't feel like dreams because I've had them since I was young, but I didn't know when I was young, my mind just, said, these are just dreams that I have over and over, you know? But after the near-death experience, it became clear that, um, When you have, when I had a life review, um, when I died, when I was dying, but it was very fast and I, but I, I, but I felt everything that I needed to feel from it. The visuals weren't as important as the energy that I got from it. And I could, I know what I, like, I have the opportunity to go reconcile certain things with people um, in this life that I saw, you know, and, uh, and there are also things that I, from seeing, just from seeing it in that, in, uh, in my, um, review that that the connection was severed i'm fine from those you know the review was and that's what i think the light review is is the opportunity for you to detach from the experiences that were holding you know that were holding that you held in your mind you know that you thought were uh like moments where your your worth you know your value your your morality and all of those things came into play whenever you when you're hurt badly that's those are the things that i saw in my life review or the thing where when i didn't know that i had agreed to something that i didn't follow through with and now i need to go follow through with that you know if the other party it seems like in my mind from how you can detach from it if the other party is okay then the life the life review seems to have allowed you the opportunity to just detach from that you know
0: sorry to interrupt you but was the life review during this NDE or one of the past lives that you remembered?
1: Well, I was explaining my life review from my NDE and what I'm now suspecting that those quote unquote dreams were, were life reviews from previous experiences on this planet. Um, Because one was a, I was a woman who appeared to be in Paris, who was being raped on the side of the road by a man in a black suit in a black car. Uh, and it appeared to be daylight, you know, <laughs> and um, and he killed her. And mm-hmm. I was looking down at it from above previously. I Previously, because of the circumstances of the, the death, I think I thought that she was like a. Um, a streetwalker, like a, a prostitute that had, was, you know, having an experience and leaving her body because she didn't like this guy or something but no i think she well had got murdered and that was a life review a part of a life it would be her looking back at, uh, at what was happening you know the same thing with the um i was a the memory is well the memory with her was like i said just her being raped and then me being above looking down at her being raped and i could before looking before um being above her, looking down, I could see legs and everything. I could see everything. I was there, and then I wasn't. I was above, looking down, And you know? uh And the, yeah, the memory of her is very vague, but I just remember she just seemed to be beautiful and very spiritual, you know? Um, the other one is a soldier that appeared to be in in Asia, it feels like China. And um I was running through a battlefield. And every time I remember, it's the exact same. I'm running through a battlefield as I don't have a rifle. I'm a courier. I'm not a I'm not a fighter. I'm a courier. Um, I have a bag on my shoulder and a pistol on my hip, and I'm just running. And I get to this tent and and I honestly think that I open the tent, I see the um I see the people there, they're high ranking, and, and they're looking at me very intensely. And I wake up instantly when they look at me. But I'm from uh, the same, if I took that memory from the same perspective as I've taken the other one, it seemed like a life, it could be a life review from that previous, ex- that experience, from that life. Uh, and because it seems that like either at that moment I was killed or if it's a memory or a dream or whatever, I wake up every time in the same spot, you know, at, at me opening the tent with the message and those guys looking at me and it, it shakes me out of that state. So.
0: During your life reviews, is it more watching it or is it more re-experiencing it? Like it's a life relive instead of a review.
1: I think it's both because for me, I could see, I could actually see things, but the, it's the same kind of way that the void, the images were flickering. It's nothing tangible that you're seeing in the void. There was nothing, when I think, when I try to, um, you know, just see again what was happening. There was nothing tangible that I was seeing in the void. It was just kind of twirls, but the answers were in the twirls. And if I, I don't know, I don't think that there was any images, but there was the the twirls changed and they changed colors, so I could there. There were answers in those twirls, but um, I'm sorry, I lost your question. I'm still I'm.
0: What I was asking was. Is the life review more watching it? Okay. As a third person, or is it more reliving it?
1: I as think a it's, first person. It's even it's both in, in, additional, in an additional and an additional awareness of how third parties felt. Um like you might be aware of how somebody really, really felt about something you've done. Like almost like you're them, you know. So, so that's the, so it's like, yeah, it's it's yes to those two things. But that additional thing, you seem to be aware of how they felt too, you know, how other parties felt too. When you
0: are re-experiencing it, do you think you're doing it from a different perspective? Like, oh, okay, now I understand what was happening.
1: Yeah, I think that's the opportunity that you're being presented with. And I still think that you, you could miss that. You could miss the, the, especially if you come back. From the experience, you could miss. You could miss that. It's not op- if you see those things and you are and you are resuscitated and you come back and you remember those things. The opportunity to reconcile is vast, even if the reconciliation only has to occur inside of you. But if you don't get the point of what you saw and why you saw it and the things you felt in that mo- in those moments, the opportunity is lost. I think, but it still comes. I mean, there's no there's no reason in in my mind under any circumstance to predict or prognosticate anything negative, you know, or to uh, imagine that something is lost and lost forever. You know what I'm saying? So, so even if you didn't get out of that, I mean, it's still your story and it's going to emerge again at some point in your life. It's your story, you know? Uh, And so I think that the tendency that we have, because I, um, to, to really align ourselves with the uh prevailing thought of this system you know is is that there's some end that has to come versus it being a cycle that just switches you know or 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 uh, or a state of this uh a season even a season of this system changing like we seem to think that every time a season in this system changes that every human being has to die or or the bulk of them does and i think that that's a belief that's rigidly embedded in humanity that we will we will we will create a, an armageddon you know and it may not have anything to do with any cycle or system you know or the system itself it'll just be us creating an armageddon because our attention is so focused on one that we we seem to want to have that experience <laughs> you know you
0: know there was have
1: to think about that stuff i swear we, this is this is our experience everything here is a suggestion it's a story
0: if there is a message for humanity, from your NDE, what do you think it would be?
1: Identity, like don't come into these bodies and start cheerleading with the same narrative that everybody around you don't jump. Like, is that I'm telling you, there is um, a successful way to be a good uh, human being, and uh, you know, simply in the context of social uh, s- social parameters. And then there's a, a orientation towards this life to where you understand that this body that you're in is an avatar and you are a soul that is riding this horse. And this horse, you can treat it well, uh, suggest to it that it should do certain things in a certain way. It's susceptible to all types of suggestions. It's it's open to uh, experience, period. And it's going to enjoy things. It's the senses are here, the, the eyes, the, the, the mouth, the, we're going to experience and it's going to be beautiful. But we have to understand that we're not just a body, mind, and ego, and that there's some parts of this experience that you just have to, you know, just you have to focus on what you want and, and just and focus that, that. And the identity parts, like coming here and saying I'm I'm a Ku Klux Klan member, or coming here and saying that I'm a, a angry black man, it, it that immediately telescopes your experience just much smaller. You your your whole the box that you live in by choosing those types of limited identities. is it, it makes the experience here so much more limited, and um, you you won't really be able to quote unquote be, uh, see enlightenment if that's even a concept because I don't really care about any of these words anymore. But you just won't wake up to understand what this experience truly is if you only rigidly ad- adhere to an identity that was preset. I'm angry black man. That's a old. That's an old identity, has been around on this planet for a long time. You know, so I could just hop right into that versus having any experience that's more authentically my own. And that that preset software has a preset outcome, hypertension, uh, depression, sadness. A lot of the times violence at home because you're angry at everyone, including yourself and everybody around you reminds you of it. So I'm not n- anywhere near that type of uh, dysfunctional thinking or identification anymore. Uh, I understand that I'm a black person. I understand that black people suffer here disproportionately. And I understand that there was been an effort to make that happen, but I also understand that every single white person in this country isn't a part of that plan (laughs) and don't even give a damn about it. Most of them want to take care of their family and pay their bills the same way I do. And, 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 And anything else is a story. Anything in any way else is a story that I'm telling myself to solidify rigid identity. And not ever question it and keep you stuck in a place where you won't learn anything. You'll just be that rigid identity forever. You'll die that rigid identity. You won't recognize that you had the opportunity to be that identity and a thousand other identities. You could have been anything. You could have been a president, but you chose to be an angry person that didn't want to participate in this this society at all because you were hurt.
0: (laughs) I think some people will say that we choose different lives before we come here because we want to experience that like i want to come as a black man or i want to become as an asian woman do you think it's possible that pre-birth you chose to come as a black man but now after you've you've kind of lived that story and now you're like okay i'm i'm done living that story and i know the truth that we really don't even have bodies anyways and i'm ready to move on from that
1: yeah um uh I, I think that the choice there is a choice but I think we choose right now like you're choosing your have you're choosing your next life you're choosing whether you're choosing how fast you're going to have a next life right now you're choosing what you're going to be in it right now you're choosing what your afterlife is going to kind of look like right now and it's all with our attention it's all with our attention I don't think that um because I've heard a lot of stories and read a lot of things, and I when I say stories, I'm I can mean an entire religious cosmology is a story. It's all stories. The, the scientific, the, the um, quantum physics is a story, you know. <laughs> and a lot of the storytellers within it don't agree with each other, and a lot of them are more imaginative than others. A lot of them are boring and cold. A lot of them have dynamic quantum physics, you know, theories. But it's all storytelling. So I think that um, for me. If we we want to take control of our storytelling and stop reading 2,000-year-old stories, 6,000-year-old stories, and and then placing ourselves in them and acting as though we're having an authentic experience, then that makes this, we can own this experience and stop recycling these old cycles and and these old narratives of of Armageddon's and endings and wars and chaos. Write our own stories. Stop rereading, stop placing ourselves in all this old software. (laughs) Start writing new software. we don't we're not beholden to these old stories these old stories tell us some some of them tell truth about origins on this planet which still open your imagination up to so much more than what we generally live here because if you go back to the ancient like sumerian texts and the egyptian texts i mean there was a there was no quote unquote gods there were people from the stars people from the skies the powerful ones all of that stuff all that word god was made up later you know, so if you want to get into that and all of the religions that we, we we argue about and try to kill each other over are just distillations of a truth that we used to have more solidly uh, firm, a firm grasp of. And until we get that grasp of what's happening here again, we're just going to keep re- living what our ancestors lived, the same tired cycles that we don't have to experience over and over and over. But if we accept the same stories, we're going to have the same experience because our attention creates our experience. You know, but our attention could create a much more beautiful experience if we just drop these tired narratives and all this rigid identity stuff, you know, and stop allowing politics to play any role in how you choose to identify. That's that's dangerous. <laughs> I, I don't know, you know, you know, why I even chose to say that, but it's dangerous, you know.
0: When you were over there, did the other side or space seem more real than you and me sitting here talking
1: yeah that was the i felt like i was finally alive and this was a dream yeah because none of it affected that that was perfect none of this none of what i believed here none of what i thought about none of the people i hated here none of what i people i loved here none of those narratives mattered there i saw perfection i saw love i saw oneness um and i understood that that could be here and it has been here you know you just got to think differently, and our attention can't be monopolized by four companies. You know.
0: <laughs> After watching this podcast, people may want to reach out to you and ask you questions. Are you up for that?
1: I'm fine. I'm fine with that. I'm um, I'm um, um, DVD seven thirty one on most social media. EV- oh no, no, I'm not. I'm sorry. Sorry, that got hacked. <laughs> 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 that got hacked, mm-hmm. but um. On on Instagram, I'm um, pneumatology.io, and it'll be David Williamson the name, but it's p n e u m a t o l o g y.io. <laughs> I plan on doing something with that, uh, which I think is important, but it'll be another podcast.
0: <laughs> what about Facebook? Can people?
1: Yes, yes. Um, I have a. Uh, it's a. Uh, my I have a page and I have my own personal account, which is already over 5,000. But um you can follow me on there, David Williamson. My email address which would probably be the easiest way to find my personal account is david.williamson7 at gmail.com. Um and you'll be able to find me on Facebook with that email address. But the I think the URL is facebook.com slash uh
0: Well, if you give me the link to your Facebook page, I'll put it in the description. Okay, I'll
1: I'll give you all of that. (laughs) All that said, I'll give you all of my contact information and social media.
0: (laughs) Before we finish up, can you leave us with one more positive message?
1: After all the trauma that I've experienced, I think that this life is perfect. I think that it's an amazing opportunity. As long as you don't allow allow the the pain, the trauma, the identity issues, confusion that can come from being here, to distract you from what you want from this experience you choose what you want from this experience you get it if you get it and you choose you can choose again something else that you want that's the opportunity that you have here is to create a reality that you want not to come here and to plug yourself into tired old philosophies and software that are going to keep you keep this place the exact same way that it is and it's a state that we can agree that isn't as peaceful as it could be on even on the exterior, you know, deeply looking deeper at it. Sometimes I think it's perfect still. It's working the way that it's supposed to work, you know, but we just have to wake up so that it looks better and feels better to everyone, you know. But um, that's it, man. Focus on what you want here. Stop coming here, adopting the narratives and stories that, that are dysfunctional. If there are beautiful narratives and stories that your ancestors have given you that help sustain the beauty of who you are, keep those if there's something that you've been taught that separates you from everyone else or that makes you exclusive as from then everyone else that's not something that's useful in this life this life is this 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 oneness that's all that there is and until we can accept that or understand that internally our reality externally is going to be one of boundaries and separation and wars and division and nonsense but we're just one people <laughs> on this planet.
0: Thank you for that message. And thank you again, David, for being my guest.
1: Thank you for having me again. I appreciate it.
0: Thanks for watching the Jeff Mara podcast. I really appreciate you. Another way to show support is through YouTube memberships. And if you do, there are loyalty badges and other perks depending on your level of membership. All you need to do is click the join button underneath the video to find out more. Thank you for your support.